Welcome to the latest edition of NFU Talk. I'm Kevin Pierce, and I'm your host for this edition. And we're going to talk a bit about some of the NFU's work with retailers and the supply chain, particularly in light of our experience during COVID, and of course, uh, some ongoing uh, discussions relating to us leaving the EU. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, uh, Philip Hamblin, who is head of food and farming uh, at the NFU. A very warm welcome, first of all. And I, and I think, look, it would be good to start with uh, giving a bit of a brief overview of, of the food and farming department. It's, it's something close to my heart because 10 years ago, I was, I was head of food and farming. And it's, I, know, I know what a good job it is and a very varied and interesting one. Uh, but just try and bring it to life uh, for people a little bit. Thank you, Kevin. Um, it, it is worth uh, touching on that because uh, when I speak to people outside the organisation, I tell them that I'm head of food and farming. They uh, they often say to me, well, "What else does the NFU do?" Um, and, and of course, we we cover a lot of things. But in in my uh, department uh, that I work in, we are the uh, the sort of engine room of, of member facing policy, if you like. We uh, run the the national uh, commodity boards. Uh, so my team of chief advisors work hand in glove with our our national boards and, and, and chairman um, to, uh, to to work uh, on the issues that matter to most 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 closely to members. Uh, we we cover all the main uh, commodities and dairy, livestock, poultry, horticulture, combinable crops, uh, uh, food, our food chain unit, which looks after our uh, supply chain engagement uh, and, and health and welfare. And, and I just. Just for the purposes of this uh, discussion, just probably explain a little bit about what the food chain unit en- encompasses, given that it, it touches on uh, a little bit of our reaction during uh, during uh, COVID nineteen as well. Uh, and, and in essence, that that team uh, runs a sort of professional account management uh, management approach. So, uh, out there in the food industry, uh, generally there will be account managers for different brands and different businesses, uh, and we want to bring that uh, professionalism to our engagement with the wider food chain. We think it's really important. Building those uh, links in, into business, uh, understanding what what makes those businesses tick, and making sure we're speaking to the right people that can make a difference. Um, not not least in, in the supply and value chain, but obviously for the for the businesses that our members uh, deal with on a day to day basis as well. So, uh, huge huge area of work that for us that involves uh, our officeholder team as well, um, and we also. Uh, look after uh, some other policy areas in there that look after fairness and supply chain related issues like GSCOP, um, member training and, uh, and, and other initiatives that are aimed at bolstering the role of farmers in the supply chain too. Thanks, Phil. Look, and, and I think there are so many issues actually we could cover that we may come back in, in a few months and, and have another go at some because obviously that you know that work with GSCOP and all again is very interesting. Again, I was I was there when we we started some of that. So, um, but look, f- for now, I just wanted to to, to reflect a bit on um, some of the more recent uh, issues we covered, and, and probably starting with uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, obviously, your the department, the wider department, was critically involved in that in terms of looking, you know, the response in each sector and all, but uh, 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 in particular, looking at um, the supply chain and and the retailer part of this, um, where obviously the supply of food and other goods was critically important during the crisis, um, and we were working with retailers, the supply chain, government, et cetera, through this process. Uh, and And I think central to that, which you were involved with, was um, uh, the Food Industry Resilience Forum 
Frith, which is very easier to say than sometimes than others. Um, I just wondered, because there's a bit of history there as well, so I just wonder if you could just talk to us briefly about that work in particular and some of the issues we come up against, um, but particularly yeah, initially the, the work with the other partners for, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, just to just for context, I think the uh, the normal engagement that we'd have with 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 government around food chain issues would normally be um, membership association facing, so representative bodies that would would represent other parts of the supply chain, talking generally around peacetime issues, around emergency planning. Uh, to a certain extent, you're planning for, for animal disease outbreaks and, and maybe uh, trade disruption outbreaks, but much more, um, uh, dare, dare I say, pedestrian in its approach, really. Uh, it's, it's more uh, more, uh, more longer, longer-term forecasting type work rather than uh, the, the real uh, day-to-day stuff. And, and it was clear very early on, given that COVID-19 was you know, it, it's it's unquestionably unparalleled in its scale and impact across the world, never mind the UK, uh, and still remains a, a fast-moving situation, of course. Um, we were um, mindful of the, the, the impact on, on, on the wide, wider sector as, as well as on the, on the food sector, but it was very clear that, that government itself didn't really have the bandwidth to, to deal with the, 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 the disruption it had to uh, to all types of business, actually, um, uh, across the, the food supply chain alone. And, and that's why the, the Food Chain Emergency Liaison Group was superseded, really, in, in terms of the, the government response to the pandemic through the Food Resilience Industry Forum, as you say, a bit of a mouthful. Um, and that really encompasses uh, people who are sufficiently senior in those businesses who are in the business of trading food, um, who are able to make decisions, um, but also to give real-time quality information to government about the, the, the things that really matter. Um, and, of course, you, you'll remember, and, and as I remember from uh, watching the news unfold, if not uh, impacting their businesses directly, there's a real uh, seismic split um, in the in, in the sector very early on. Where, of course, we were just hurtling into uh, in, in towards lockdown. Everyone was uh, trying to calm the horses to uh, to to help ease the impact on, on the supply chain. That 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 panic buying, as some some called it, in the early stages, and and those white spaces on shelves really made government sit up and think hang on a minute, for the first time in a very, very long time, we're going to have to maybe take more than a, a passive role here in, in, in trying to oversee what goes on in the supply chain and actually take a much more uh, uh, active role in, 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 in managing it, in inverted commas. Uh, and it really was, uh, in, in all the time that I've worked in the, the food industry, uh, the NFU, and and even in, in civil service beforehand, uh, as, a, as a relatively junior civil servant at the time, we did contribute to the food chain emergency liaison group. I've never seen um, the you know the, the kind of disruption that we saw uh, during COVID, and, and never has there been a, a time for, for government to be as involved as it has been. Uh, so you, obviously we had this, this huge dislocation of the out-of-home market. Everything was pretty much shut down overnight towards the end of March. Uh, any, anything that was uh, selling uh, in, in, in restaurants or in, uh, in, in food service. Uh, and we had a huge uh, problem of a product that was uh, either in the supply chain already or indeed uh, that was destined to go into that part of the supply chain. So we had a, 
a huge um, situation where we had winners and, and losers very quickly, if you like, in, in the marketplace and, and huge volumes uh, at, at stake and huge costs as well. I think uh, in the first month or so of the initial lockdown, there was about an additional one and a half billion pounds worth of groceries sold uh, through retail. Um, and, and, and that wasn't all necessarily uh, welcomed by retail in the way that you might expect because they weren't geared up to be able to supply that volume or indeed meet the, the change in demand. So if you think about the, the, uh, the, the sort of dark art of science that goes into um, making sure those sh- shelves are filled with what consumers want uh, when they want them, uh, the rules of the game changed overnight, really, um, and not not least the, the fact that there were, in many cases there, were, there wasn't product to even sell uh, to be able to get through those those, those bottlenecks, and that very kind of delicately balanced supply chain that has been manicured over many, many years. So we... in, in in the NFU, we're just working absolutely around the clock, really, to um, help uh, ease some of the, uh, the, the the stuttering supply chain impacts, uh, and, and and as I say, those those winners and 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 losers who didn't have product to go, but also helping replumb those supply chains to um, to be able to make the most of that product, be able to get value recovery, try, try and avoid uh, waste. Uh, trying to get products uh, into um, the food parcels, for example, for the vulnerable who who are being uh, who were isolating at home uh, and and were weren't able to get out and about. So there's a, a huge amount of work going on behind the scenes there. That, uh, if I'll be honest, we'll we probably um, we we'll probably never be able to, uh, to, uh, to to go through in a huge amount of detail what, what what we actually did. But a huge amount of work just gone into building bridges across and links yeah. between people who who, who needed uh, to, to solve problems. They had product in the hands that needed to go somewhere, and 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 obviously demand that couldn't be met. Yeah, and I guess uh, obviously the retail sector is something everybody can see, and people heard about em- empty shelves, etc. But of course, a lot of our members uh, were supplying companies that were supplying food service, and and food service just collapsed overnight, didn't it? As, Absolutely. Uh, restaurants and all. So uh, I guess from our perspective, we had all the product, but not necessarily in the right place and going to the right people. That's absolutely right. If you if you if you sort of take a step back from the situation, it, it felt like a huge amount of panic buying, and there wasn't product there. But of course, there was plenty of product there. The amount of calories that we we needed uh, hadn't necessarily changed that much. Um, it's just that it had to be in a in a format in a in a route to market that that had obviously been, been narrowed hugely, uh, and and we, all that additional food that we bought didn't just disappear it did it wasn't just new demand um that, uh, that 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 was new in the marketplace it was just dislocated and and as you say for those who um were were uh, topping up all that product was either in a fridge or a freezer or a cupboard somewhere it wasn't necessarily um new, new demand that we had to fill so it it, it was it was a, a slightly um it was disrupted but it, it wasn't necessarily a food shortage issue which very often was played out in the in the press um and, and I think we also had a bit of a duty care to, to not make uh, that that panic buying worse. Uh, in we have to be really careful with what we what we what we said in in the media, but also how we engaged other stakeholders as well. Because the, the best thing that, that everyone could have done at the time was actually just shop normally, uh, which doesn't sound that heroic when you <laughs> when you play back yeah. that, that way around. But with very uh, delicate uh, just in time supply chains, it's really really important. Um, so we, we we did a lot of work with Defra helping to triage issues. 
because uh, you imagine on the other side of the fence there, you, you're just faced with a wall of problems that everyone's got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of businesses, thousands of businesses, in fact, in the, in the food industry, lots of different issues. And how do you sift through what the important things are uh, in immediate time? And, and the Food Resilience uh, Forum was a, was a great way of doing that because it had the most senior leaders in the food industry um, helping to uh, navigate what it needed out of government. Uh, and what it needed out of each other, actually, to, to cooperate and collaborate to to meet the needs of consumers, um, and and it's a, it's been a great success story in that respect. And the the, the best um, the best outcome actually is is really in the longer term is 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 for government taking food policy and the, our role in the food supply chain much more seriously than perhaps it would have done before. Um- Absolutely. And look, we'll come on to that because I think there have been some incredible lessons learned about the resilience of our supply chain throughout this. Um, but just, just to go back to what we were talking about there. Um, and I remember back when, you know, we were talking about this early on and we did things like put, uh, poultry wholesalers in touch with a retailer who didn't have enough chicken and was going to go abroad, uh, to try it, to try and link that up. Um, and, you know, we are in a unique place to do that, but I think, and it wasn't just that, was it? There was more of that. Uh, absolutely. So um, those those relationships that, that we built up in our commodities, but also in our, our food chain teams, we uh, we immediately in, in the early stages uh, mapped out exactly what we thought the impact was, uh, well before any market analyses could <laughs> could really report on it. Uh, we, we we were dealing in the real time, not not a month in in arrears. Um, and, and as you say, in, in the poultry market, we had about a million and a half to two million birds displaced uh, overnight. Um, I can't say that we, we necessarily found, found homes for, for all of that all of that product, but we certainly went a long way into to, to taking the, uh, the the sting out of the impact for a lot of uh, uh, producers out there. And, and of course, dairy hit the headlines very very early on um, as as ever because. It's such a, uh, a, a an integrated and, and, and fast fast moving supply chain uh, uh, that that the impacts felt at, at a farm level almost, almost straight away, and and those uh, uh, farmers that were supplying the uh, the processors supplying the out of home market were were hit absolutely overnight. Just you know straight away we had uh, either contract terms, payment terms, or even product just just not even collected um, almost straight away, and of course that has. Catastrophic effects in the uh, in, in the supply chain for dairy farmers. The the effect is 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 immediate, um, and, and a huge amount of our activity there was was understanding the size of the problem, uh, understanding what options we had uh, through through business through our through our con- contacts in the network. Because um, let's face it, the, the more effective way of uh, dealing with with issues like this is through the market more quickly rather than tr- waiting for someone in government to make a decision and then. Uh, hold, hold court to, to to help to implement it. Uh, we we did a lot of that in the early stages to try and get uh, liquid milk um, moved around or, or options for 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 at least um, processed uh, products to be moved around as well. We had some uh, discernible success in that, but of course uh, th- there were some uh, uh, dairy farmers that were. Uh, I, th- I think there were some figures uh, uh, shown that there was about around about a million liters uh, of milk uh, disposed on farm through the course of the initial uh, lockdown, and, and that of course had uh, huge impacts for, uh, for for cash flow in those businesses, but also you know longer term profitability and viability as well. So we made quite strong representations to the industry uh, directly uh, through through uh, dairy processing businesses. 
Um, and, and as you can imagine, uh, we had fairly robust conversations around uh, around payment terms and contract terms, um, and, and also what what they should be doing as responsible businesses as well, not just passing that risk straight down to uh, dairy farmers and supplying them. And we might come back a little bit to some of the uh, dairy contracts work further further down the line sometime, Kevin. But, but you know, we, we took a lot of we took a lot of elements of that for, for for some of our thinking there. But one of the biggest wins that we had uh, with with, with with Defra is 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 obviously getting some uh, some hardship relief there as well for dairy farmers affected by it. Um, it, it. It took a lot of negotiation. It took a lot of effort, a lot of evidence gathering, but also a lot of um, political organisation and uh, an impact that only the NFU can actually bring to bear. Um, and and it was again uh, really really strong professional. Uh, representation um, at the farmer level as well as combined with that uh, expertise uh, behind that we've got in, in the team and in the organization that, that helped help make successful there. Uh, because you know, it's fair to say that officials looking at the macro market, you know, prices actually looked okay, but it totally masked the fact there were almost a thousand dairy farmers that were that either had price reductions or weren't selling milk at all uh, or having deferred payments. So we, we, we worked really hard to bring that to life and show what the long-term impacts would be if there wasn't if there wasn't any action. And, and that's essentially eroding critical mass in the dairy supply chain. But they weren't alone either. Sorry. They, they no, no, I was just yeah. going to say that obviously one of the areas as well that not necessarily food was uh, was horticulture and market garden and, and the nurserymen who yeah. of course had no outlet when you know the only outlet was and actually for a while I'm not even sure the supermarkets were selling non-essential but certainly all the market gardeners and of course whilst they're not animals those plants were ready to go uh, and that did cause quite a, a bit of disruption didn't it and, and 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 actually was probably only alleviated as government started to unwind the restrictions that allowed some of them to open in a secure way that's right the um i mean it, it couldn't have happened at a worse time for a lot of ornamental growers uh, out there really it's obviously leading into their peak uh, sales uh, time over easter and um, we when we start getting out into our gardens again and uh, and, and mother's day and, and everything else in between hugely Im- impacted we we did some retail engagement um uh, to try and and get more sales through uh, retail um uh, with a lot of uh, consumers at, at home actually uh, it was quite a welcome sight to have some uh, new, new plants and flowers around the place to brighten, brighten the place up uh, and so we, we worked with all the leading brands to see if we could maximize some of those those sales potential and it, it, it was it was quite it was quite um uh, po- quite a positive conversation actually you know many people might think that we uh Going in, uh, you know, you know, in a more of a negotiation uh, footing, but actually, uh, I have to say that those leading brands are really keen to find ways they can help as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a really, a really good collaborative spirit, which I think came from many of the uh, the, the sort of solutions that we were trying to bring. Uh, to the table as well, rather than just pointing to problems, rather than just pointing to uh, stock that's stacking up without a home, just finding ways that we can we can make things work work for both businesses. So we, we did have some early, um, uh, early sort of pressure relief, if you like, through some of those brands, uh, which uh, I, I shouldn't really name, should I? But uh, but some some of the lead, lead, leading brands that you would know on the high street uh, were uh, were very very keen to try try and help where they could as well. 
Um, and of course, you know, building up the uh, the case to allow garden centres to open when they did was uh, was was absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely key. Uh, again, uh, for for cash flow, but also uh, helping um, make sure there's some certainty around uh, you know that the. the uh, making sure those uh, those growers had had a, a business to, to build up for for the next season, next growing season as well. So, we, whilst there was disruption, there was a lot of flowers uh, disposed. Of course, that they they um, you built up for Mother's Day uh, in particular. I think there was some there was a particular, in particular a few businesses that were quite, quite badly affected. I think we we did a good job in in in, in staying off uh, some of the broader impact on the wider industry. Um, but, but it's fair to say that a, a lot of businesses have have felt felt a lot of pain and we shouldn't we shouldn't ignore that yeah um, we, we did uh, we did also have a, a bit of disruption in the beef market you might remember kevin uh, yeah, yeah. early on as well uh we had um uh initially actually when when lockdown came along uh the the, the, the lamb sector took a bit of a hit, uh, but that was all about market confidence. I don't, I don't know if you recall, there was a, a huge amount of uncertainty about whether a product could go across borders <laughs> in, yeah. in that kind of frenetic time earlier on. Uh, people weren't sure whether product could go uh, or whether lorry drivers could come back and that sort of thing. It's, it's amazing how, how those effects can have an impact on, on, uh, on, on the market. Um, thankfully, lamb recovered relatively quickly when when you know, uh, good advice was, was was given out again about about product flow there. But in the beef market, uh, it, the the carcass balance issues were you know really uh, flushed out to the full. Um, not many people outside of our, our industry kind of understand what what carcass balance really means. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, and, uh, and and certainly a, a lot of people who you know, drafted into uh, official positions now very 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 bright uh, intelligent people, but uh, not necessarily immersed in the in the language that 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 you and I occupy. Um, talking about carcass balance um, is is not something that that's, that's really <laughs> easy to do. But but obviously that split that you mentioned about. Uh, out of home, that food service and restaurants compared to retail. Your pre-COVID, almost all of the uh, the, the real value add uh, in in a, in a beef animal uh, would be in the out, out of home market. The premium cuts, the steaks, the, the kind of back end of the animal, if you like, uh, in, in volume terms, you know, a huge amount of that would have came from the, the restaurant sector. And certainly out of home, um, and, and of course you've got uh, a situation in, in in retail where it's absolutely dominated by mints. Um, people are looking for uh, convenience, they're looking for affordability, um, and, and and mints is a mainstay of of a lot of people's baskets. Uh, and of course the um, the retail algorithms or, or just the order forms that they would automatically generate to their suppliers. Of course, as soon as they clear the shelf, what do they need to do? They, they, they automatically want to restock the same uh, profile of products. Um, and what was happening in, in, the, in the first few weeks is that all of these uh, hindquarters, if you like, were, were stacking up with nowhere to go. Uh, I think they used to call them pistolas back in the day, but uh, yeah. these hindquarters were um, uh, were stacking up. And, and what they either didn't have any capacity to, to store them, uh, or worse, they were putting them into mint. So the, they were essentially um, giving away all that additional value, all that premium product into a mint product that uh, that wasn't doing anyone any favor. And, and so we, we 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 acted really really uh, quickly there as well. First to help uh, highlight the issue to um, to retailers as, as a 
as a major process. And sometimes it's quite typical having uh, having those uh, uh, square conversations about um, about impacts. They they like to to make sure they're they're, they're always bringing solutions and not not problems to to, to big consumers. So we, we can have those straight conversations much more easily about um, uh, about what's happening in supply chains more than sometimes competitive businesses uh, supplying directly can. And so, so we could help bring that to life and show them. Um, where the value loss was here, or where the additional cost, and and by definition, what what the impact on the farm gate price would be if the situ- situation went on longer. Um, so so we we with our livestock chairman and livestock board uh, representatives met all the leading retailers to talk about a how we can um, help. Uh, uh, stimulate demand for the, the, the back end of the animal, uh, and and also how we can uh, you know, alleviate the the funnel that's developed in the, in the supply chain because of the the, the change in the dynamic. So the, we, I mean, I I think that's that's evidenced pretty well with um, uh, with how the uh, the, uh, the 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 dead weight and the live weight price um, uh, reacted shortly after we, we we made that effort. And I've never done a I've never done a calculation, Kevin, but I'm I'm fairly sure that's that's worth a member sub or two uh, from <laughs> from uh, from the benefit that we've um, we, we delivered there by a ha- having those really strong relationships and being able to have those open and honest conversations with each each an individual part of the supply chain to help unblock what what could have been a risk that was wholly and utterly thrown back down to primary producers um, because that's the easiest thing that a lot of supply chains will do as soon as they they, they have an impact. They uh, you know they they have small small margins themselves, uh, and they, they try and take it out the uh, out the base price because that's where the that's where their comfort is. And and yeah. when when actually the, the service we can we can provide is is helping to avoid that happening and retain retaining value for everybody. Okay, thanks, Phil. And look, um, we're drawing to the end now, and 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 perhaps I won't go into the EU exit stuff because I think mm. that could be the subject of other discussions we got coming up. I guess the final thing, and I know we've started looking at lessons learned um, in terms of, you know, what can we learn from um, this this period? Uh, and, and we've always talked, you know, going back many years about the resilience of the supply chain to be able to cope. Uh, and I guess, you know, one of the lessons we've learned from this is that there are tensions when you get something like a pandemic like this. So, you know, is there anything you want to just to flag up that you think, you know, we, we've highlighted you know, in in terms of the the lessons learned that we perhaps need to keep an eye on in the future. Well, well I think one of the one one of the big um, lessons learned for, uh, for for everyone involved actually is 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 really good understanding about how the the value and supply chains work and how important it is to maintain and invest in that. Uh, because we uh, we more and more I think uh, particularly as we're going to um, uh, into a new normal uh, whatever that is I'm not I'm not sure what, what exactly it looks like but we're definitely going into another phase of some description post COVID and, and post EU exit really understanding what happens when you you, you turn one dial here and, and uh, you know to, to try and make a change and what that 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 impact might be further down the supply chain or even the other way around you know the the effect of um, of changing things at, at at retail or, or in the food service market, what that effect has on on uh, on primary production, 
I, I think there is a, still a huge amount of dislocation out there between uh, policymakers uh, and, and and the general public really about 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 how um, their their uh, buying habits and their demands how that's actually serviced through the supply chain. And I think there's just a huge amount of scope for open and honest uh, conversations, but also done on the basis of really strong expertise and understanding uh, about about how those relationships work. Um, I, I think a lot of people uh, who uh, you know be forgiven for walking down a supermarket aisle and just thinking, well, this food stuff easy, isn't it? You know, you can just pick it up any time you like when you look at the care and attention that's gone into the planning to be able to even grow or produce or farm the, the the primary product before it even gets to the supply chain and uh, and and likewise i think there's opportunity for us in, in helping our members understand how they can get the, the best out of supply chains as well what are the opportunities for them to plug into what is the, what is the best way they can organize and, and make contacts and work with uh, you know big big players in, in the supply chain too i think we can add a lot of value there so i think from a commercial uh, perspective we we we, we, we think there's a an opportunity there, but it takes really, really good understanding of uh, of how the food system works. Um, but I can forgive people for not um, living it and breathing it, perhaps the, the way I do. I mean, I'll often say that you know, I get I get on a plane not thinking too much about how it's built, uh, but kind of trust that the job has been done right. And I think the opportunity for us is 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 showing to people that what we do is really good quality, it's really good value, and they can trust in us to do a really good job. Phil, thank you very much for that. That's a quick run through quite a lot of important topics there. In, uh, uh, and, um, yeah, I'm very grateful to you for your time. Um, so it just leaves me to thank Phil and to thank you for listening. Uh, as ever, please stay safe, uh, look after yourself, and, uh, and, and any of you is here for you. Uh, any of you online, uh, I'll call first service. Everything is there to support members, uh, not just through COVID-19, but through everything we experience. So uh, thanks very much and goodbye.